I remember when I was a little girl, our house caught on fire. I'll never forget the look on my father's face as he gathered me up in his arms and raced to the burning building out on the pavement. And I stood there, shivering in my pajamas, and watched the whole world go up in flames. And when it was all over, I said to myself, Is that all there is to a fire? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball. If that's And like a kissing glove, we are on the air to discuss the events of December and the conclusion of a year of magical podcasting, of magical synchros, um, of very, very weird, colossal, and uh, I would say cataclysmic storylines um which in which have sort of climaxed in the last week or so um and my dear friend jack mason of the perfume nationalist is joining me and what i wanted to talk about since about december 1 the day that kanye went on alex jones which began with a great a great sort of feeling of exasperation, I think, for most of us, um, in our particular point of view, seeing Kanye play this sh play this weird uh, 2016 Beatles mania revival band game with his new slam piece, the little guy, the little the little Fuentes, which like I just can't he find a better slam piece? Can't he but find That's... a better come dump than that guy? I just wish there was somebody that we could find for Kanye West to satisfy his needs other than that guy. That's my only, that's my Christmas wish. I just want, I want nothing for myself. I just want a better come dumb slam piece for Kanye. But anyway, he went on. It's, it, it was, it seemed horrible. It seemed horrible. That day also was the kind of beginning of Elon Musk establishing that he is not only, you know, going whole hog with Twitter, but that he is like in it to win it in terms of exposing the textbook fascist censorship that the democratic machine was um, performing in, in, in tandem with Twitter and by implication with every other social media organization. And of course, every, um, every uh, mainstream media organization. And, and that happened the same day. The, these two things, these two events, and they both kind of reflect on each other in an interesting way that I want to discuss. But what really kind of forced me to accept that something is happening here and that Kanye is not just another, this isn't just another freak show, um, is that that night, the night, that very night, Thursday, December 1, in New York, I... I almost encountered two 
White Lotus climaxes upon myself. I almost got brutally murdered. And then later after that, I almost got accused of committing a brutally murder, a brutal murder. And so this little, so this combat, so this like full on white. And then of course I just watched White Lotus and, and, and uh, after a bunch of shrieking homos rushed to spoil it for no reason on Twitter. I finally watched it and all these things together, um, I think have to be addressed and they come and they all come together for me. I will tell the story of what happened in the hotel room in New York. That was my personal white Lotus, my personal white Lotus Afghanistan ending. Um, I will tell that story on the other side of the paywall later, but I'll just teasing it for you now, but it's this combination this this combination of events and white Lotus and everything that I feel like would make a very nice end of the year um, state of the culture address um, uh, of the kind we've been doing since February since you Jack Mason made the Harriet Tubman escape into the land of the free by quitting your day job and becoming a full-time broadcaster, um, which I thought was a momentous, momentous move. And sure enough, it had some giant fucking ripples personally and culturally. And it kind of felt to me watching White Lotus, like White Lotus season two felt like a TV adaptation of one of our convos. Is that how it felt to you? It feels like you have defined you have defined the most important show on television right now and the most exciting. Uh, how how do you mean? Like, what specifically about it reminds you of our conversations? Well, I mean, I feel like it is a show about all the problems with straight people right now. It is oh, a yeah, show, so true. yeah, and it's a show that does it in a tone. Like, I I envy Mike White's tone that he's achieved. I'm not sure I've pick this to I mean maybe it's just because I haven't been watching a lot of TV for year for a few years now there hasn't been much TV to excite me um but like this tone of oh like it's a comedy based like if you were to if you were to give it a um I feel like if you were to force a genre upon this other than it's a murder mystery which is another genre close to my heart um like a the original genre close to my heart but it's basically a, the tone of a social comedy and yet there isn't a single there isn't a single try hard note in it um so it kind of proceeds in this like truthful social comedy that doesn't have to do anything acrobatic on the on the comedy side to be really really funny um and it just seemed to really you know surf the perfect current of zoomer uh you know, Zoomer ineptness of the kind that I've been screaming about for or observing for the last year. Um, straight people ineptness, monogamy ineptness, uh, uh, you know, obviously the the role of the homosexual, the looming sort of conductor role of the homosexual <laughs> in all of this, um, yeah. a, a shadowing over it. Um so in that respect, particularly in the in the interplay between the two straight couples, between um, whose names you're going to have to help me with because I I never remembered fucking character names. I know Portia names either. I uh, Portia the the Zoomer reminded me a lot of so many that we know. Uh, the frustrate like the kind of recently red pilled. She voted for Bernie, as you you know. We all know she voted. Was Portia voted for Bernie, but she's been re- yeah. red pilled recently, and she's super sexually frustrated because. 
Zoomer guys are just not just not you know realized human beings as we can see uh, in, in under the thrall of liptard sexual propaganda. And so it just felt like he was hitting all the notes, but in a way that wasn't at all. If White Lotus season one was a little bit more kind of rallying to catch up to where things were with society. But this time he had more yeah. time. He had more money. Uh, he'd been listening to TPN. He was ready to go. And he and it's and I love the show. I love the I love the entire season. There's nothing I didn't like about it. There's nothing, no bullshit about it that I that I saw. Um and and I'm really impressed. And so it just felt like, and then of course there's the fact that I nearly suffered a white lotus season climax myself in New York. So I just felt like there's something happening here that's kind of coalescing all of these uh storylines. And I have some my views of what's really happening. Um I mean, spiritually, what's really happening in, in in terms of where we are? I feel like there is an age, and this is where Kanye. This is where I first kind of question I want to ask you is kind of where your thoughts are on the Kanye thing, with a little bit of distance from the instant exasperation and annoyance with his tired, you know, twenty sixteen alt right. Uh, first of all, for, uh, from the whole his whole campaign which we I knew the instant he announced it. Remember when I said it's going to be about banning porn. It's going to be all about gathering the Catholics together to force another hair shirt upon America. I don't need a hair shirt campaign. Yeah, like I don't Kanye, need it. Kanye took the worst, most tedious aspects of right-wing Twitter that we all hate and made that his platform. And White Lotus took the coolest aspects of Twitter that we like and agree with and made art out of it yeah because i mean after watching one episode i was like wow this is right-wing propaganda every single line yeah in a way that uh, <laughs> this is right-wing propaganda from twitter in a way that like normies or people not involved in this wouldn't detect like i imagine that like uh that it's really perplexing um for someone not mired in this particular discourse uh like boomers like my parents like watch white lotus uh, they just think it's like weird. They enjoy it, but yeah, I think it registers as like weird and interesting to those people. But like every single line is like in a like believable, artful way is some kind of, especially in those first few episodes, is some kind of like reactionary observation. I mean, the the one of the most brilliantly realized i believe things that in the show um are is the relation is the family the italian the trio the son the 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 actually i would say f marie abraham is a is not a boomer he's um older than a boomer i would classify the the dad the the Ital the you know hollywood dad who's going through the divorce and shit uh, he's a boomer to me. He has a he has a boomer sensibility. He's not really, even though he's technically probably Gen X. I see this as post. I see this as pre boomer, the last pre boomer on on Earth, F. Murray Abraham, the boomer uh, who's going through typical divorce bullshit that all boomers have gone through. All of them, hundred percent of them. I you know, <laughs> except for your parents, of course. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the zoomer, the boomer. So you know, pre boomer, boomer zoomer. That is a that was so, you know, and it's a, it's like. In many ways, it's a very basic structure with that family. You've got the the grandfather who's from a time when, as he says, as he powerfully puts it, 
she loved me and I loved her. And it's as simple as that. You know, when the gut, when the dad is trying to say, yeah, but she, yeah, but mom was bitter and she's a miserable woman. And she knew that you cheated on her and all this. It's like she, but you know, but she stayed with him and the retort to the, the big boomer complaint about marital misery is simply, she loved me and I loved her. And it really is as simple as that. And that was a very powerful moment. And I'm like, I don't know where I've seen, I don't know where I've seen this, this, um, this conflict of generations and of romantic ideas, ideals really, or marital ideals, social ideals, so well compressed um, around a single table and in a single resort. And you see it play out in a very, very poetic way. Um, and, and, you know, I, without any kind of, I don't think any narrative is falsely forced into it. It's it's like the way it I mean, and by the way, that there will be spoilers in this episode because we're actually having substantive conversation about the show. I really chipped out. Be said, the way people were posting about that was the first time I've ever been severely annoyed by spoilers because it was so deeply they, goofy. They it fucking was just like why it's been on one hour. Can you not like wait a bit or like to digest it or wait until tomorrow? Um, people don't watch things right when they come out anymore. Um, 48 hours is all I would have asked, but no, all what they immediately at before it even aired in the West in West Coast time, uh, Ben fucking Braddock spoils it in a group chat. A okay, fine, we know what he is, but then, but then within an hour. The clip. Somebody posts a clip of the fi- of the climactic scene, a one minute yeah. clip, all to do but nothing but just weird? go. Yeah, whoa! Look at the this spoiler evil horror. thing. Was always the like like it's always been weird that I don't care about spoilers and everybody else was like spoiler mania, and then suddenly for the one time it ever mattered. The Nobody one time, it's a murder mystery. There is a there is a decorum. There is a there is a rule that when you critique a murder mystery in any genre. You don't give it away unless you're talking about it weeks ahead of time, whatever. If you're talking about it in real time, you don't give it away. It's a murder. The whole point of the of the series is to reach one single event at the end, which is the who done it. Okay, you don't just give it away with a one minute visual clip. You fucking retards. And it was all for no reason. It was all for that was the part that got me. If you're doing it in the course of like a substantive conversation, I'll be pissed, but I'll understand. But there was no substantive conversation. It was just so some fucking Zoomers could shriek about the evil gays. That's yeah, what really got, got, got under my skin. The conservatards and the oomphies immediately latched onto the most like surface level uh, <sighs> idiocy, which is uh, thinking that gays are evil and thinking that it's like revolutionary to show them doing something bad. When, as I've talked about ad nauseum, that has been the dominant mode in media for the last near decade. <laughs> I mean, that's it's been the dom- going. That's not what's going on here. If they really no. want to talk about evil gays, I, I don't remember who pointed it out first. Uh, maybe Zach. Uh, but uh, so they're like the evil gays are so it's so based that they show the gays being bad and murderous, um, but they conveniently ignored one of their pet issues. Uh, which is the uh, promotion of cheating as healing the relationships of the straight people, which is true. Yeah, because uh, what you know, because uh, all the conservatards 
love to rail against this uh kind of like fake straw man construction of uh polyamory that much like furries and like drag queen story hour isn't a real thing going on that much and even if it is who cares but that's like a conservatory thing is like why aren't polyamorous people so fat and ugly like that's you know been a huge thing forever um but this is something that only happened because this has a uh gay screenwriter over the age of 30 uh because the current uh ridiculous saintly worship of monogamy from both gay zoomers and all straight people who yearn for a time that never existed when they had like rules and structure and whatnot yeah um like all of those people just relentlessly rail against any kind of open relationship or like sexual freedom or whatever and they're like society is bad because people are cheating um which is, you know, not uh, not accurate because when society was like male and functional, all of those husbands were going to whorehouses and the wives didn't care. And men and women had uh, separate worlds. <laughs> yeah, that's still how, <laughs> but, by the way, that's still how it is in, in certain, that's still how it is in old in the old world. I mean, in, in old yeah. certain old countries where the, marriage is far more successful than it is here. I mean, it's just how it is. Yeah, the the... The notion that once you get married, you will only ever be allowed to see one set of genitals for the rest of your life. And if anyone deviates from that, you have to start your entire life over, including if you have kids. That's something from the uh, free and easy uh, boomer divorce era. <laughs> anyone you know, like older with common sense didn't start their lives over every time there was an infidelity i mean this is what like the women is about you know that's a play from the 30s a brilliant um, play by the way. way a brilliant play um and the and the, and, and the movie too. yeah and the movie version which you can watch, find and watch and it's it's great uh the movie version i believe includes of an early early lucille ball if i'm not if i'm not if i'm not mistaking uh, it with another I, movie think i think she she's in the women somewhere yeah like not you know early, young was a when she was a a sex symbol, she yeah, and, I mean, uh, she, she and Angela Lansbury, their the early part of their careers, yeah, marketed as like sex symbols. Totally, yeah. None. I mean, Angela Lansbury was a hundred percent as the sex pot in Gaslight. Um, uh, yeah, and in her first yeah. in her breakout movie, but Lucille Ball in that movie in The Women, you, you she's she's not a huge it's not a huge part, but it's a present part, and you see how like she was right up there with she had very she could really hang as just a pure screwball comedic talent at the level of the screwball comedians of that era. Um, it's just mm -hmm. that you, you only think of her as I Love Lucy, which is a screwball character, but it's not quite the same vibe as the screwball comedies of the 30s. But she could totally hang, and you could see that in that movie. But yeah, t the point is that the world we're living in in terms of a, a, a kind of the, the, the narrative of how marriage is supposed to be, which is failing by the way like mm -hmm. i don't know how much longer people are just gonna re like just not just ignore the fact that it's not working for uh -huh. a huge percentage of the population not only are people i mean now there's a it's not just a 50 percent get divorced thing it's that 
now an increasing number never get married until it's even too late, until they have no libido left. Okay, great. So now we're going to wait until we're 50 to get married so that we can be each other's grave uh, 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 grave diggers. Like, yeah. there's something that's not working and not compatible about this current idea of of zero uh, uh, zero margin for error marriage. Zero margin for error marriage. Like, that's what it is. There's, there's any kind of kit. There's a, so much as a kiss. There's so much as you kissing somebody in Palermo – uh, when you're drunk, time to end the whole, shut the whole thing down, uh, uh, begin the custody discussions. Uh, the, the, like mm -hmm. it's insane if you this stop and think about it. But you can't. People believe. I know it's 100 percent bot. I think, I think it's really retarded. I mean, the dominant theme of 2022 for me has been the glaring flaws of the straight world. Uh, whereas in previous years, I was more of a pick me um, worshiping, uh, you know, the, the unappreciated glory of straight men. Um, this year is all about uh, the horrible, horrible, glaring flaws of the straight world being revealed uh, and rubbed in my face one after another. Um, but, you know, the their attitudes about sex are crazy to me and uh when gay people become pick me's when they log on um and they decide they're not like the other gays and they're usually about 25 years old um and they get in their first serious relationship yeah. they have very like princess ideas about what long-term gay relationships are supposed to be um and you know they're they're in for a great surprise once they pass the age of 30 and 40 and whatnot yeah. and as we've talked about one of the great things about old gay men is they don't give a fuck like old like you can you know old gay men in their like 50s and 60s they don't give a fuck they'll just no, they like, don't. get like a get like a neck tattoo or some hideous the, piercing. They're the only and... people in LA. Yeah, go I'm, continue. I'm sorry <laughs> not to interrupt. No, they're the only people who, in LA who are actively, uh, like, physically resisting lockdown. Throughout the <laughs> pandemic, the only place in LA where you would see people just, it's all gay men in their 50s and 60s, uh, just walking around, just being like, take off the mask. Why are you having a mask on outside? And, like, trying to party. They have 15 minutes left to live, you know, like they're like, they've got 17 <laughs> different strains of AIDS. They just yeah, want to have 1987. If they have imagine, imagine having survived AIDS being 50s, 60s, and then being told that you have to wear a mask because 0.03% of people might die from a from a fucking flu. Like for two years, you have to not a there's nothing open and B you have to wear a mask even when you're having brunch outside at the places that are open in that brief period they even were open in LA until, you know, throughout the two years. It was really bad here. The only people who resisted, they weren't the base Latinos. They weren't the base African-Americans who are still wearing 14 masks, none of them covering their nose or mouth. Um, mm -hmm. They were simply 50 to 60-year-old white gays who just were over it, like, the whole time. So shout out to to the survivors because they're the only ones who gave a fuck, who, who, were, who were fucking, like, taking a stand for life during this pathetic uh, apocalypse. You have a great point about how the 
continuing grooming hysteria is uh, thinly veiled hatred of old people. Yeah. It's so yeah. true. Yeah, it's it's a hundred. Well, that's it's what it so is. Ageist. I mean, it's ageist. It's not ageism just ageism. Is something is one of the isms that's real. Um, <laughs> I mean, all you have to do is like it's it's everywhere you look, and of course, people say, and I, I'm not. By the way, I'm not. I'm not. I, I hope that people don't think I'm old enough. Where I'm like, this is like I'm looking out for my own interests here when I talk about ageism because I don't. You're not. I'm not you're not that old. Like 50 <laughs> I'm not that old. That old. <laughs> no, I mean, I I may feel like I'm 97. 57 is I, just you know a new, just a new beginning. You're barely starting out. Yeah, but did you just say 57? Yeah, that's where I'm at yeah. spiritually. 57. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even 60 yet. I'm not even 60. So I don't give a fuck. But it yeah, but it's like but no, but still it's 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 so obvious to me. Uh, at many different levels, because I've seen it all my life. I've seen it among my parents and my like, you know, parents generation where it, there's this, you know, there was this always been this, it, you know, where you see it, you know, where you see it also, you see it in the kind of people who go Bob Dylan, he should retire. Like I've been hearing about Bob Dylan retiring, how he should retire for 25 years. Bob Dylan is it has never been better on stage, at least for the last 40 years, than he is right now as, a, as an 81-year-old. I saw him in June, and I'm going to celebrate that show at some point um, soon. But uh, just I, there's this thing that enters the – it's particularly true where, where you particularly see ageism is not in the young. You see it because the young like old people. Like – they like old people in if they're gay, they like old people sexually for you know, to a large degree because so many people have daddy issues. And that's the healthiest yeah. way to be gay. The healthiest way to be yeah. gay is be to have daddy issues, not to have been uh, molested by your Mexican cousin um, yeah. who's being protected. And so and then you have to talk about drag queens in order to distract from the fact that it's always yeah. the cousin. It's always the cousin in the large Catholic family doing the molesting. I just had another encounter with such a victim. Um it's not the young. It's it's the people who are afraid of their own mortality who practice ageism. They are coping for their own like loss of vitality, gradual loss of vitality, and they're trying to distract their own consciousness from that by taking on this moral crusade against age gaps and grooming and the children. And you can't help but notice that the most passionate voices about the made-up issue of grooming, which again only happens within families. The only time you can groom somebody, like I've, I've known, I'm trying to think, just off the, like I, intimately, because I just literally had a very, very emotional, uh, like revelation evening with somebody who had literally been groomed and molested as a three to six-year-old or something by his, by his, by his cousin. Mexican cousin in Mexico. Yeah, Me Mexicans do be doing that. So I'm I can hear and, about that on the Substack. My the my female crush in high school back when I was a an uh, uh, I, I was an ardent heterosexual teeming with ardor for the for for the fairer sex. My female crush back then also had been molested by a cousin when she was very young, very young, and. The only people who have the opportunity to groom, like to, if we're talking about the real problem, are people who have complete access, uh, uh, total trust within the within the family, and are able to be you know spend tons of time with with a kid. Like that's the only. It's not somebody at a li library who's reading who's reading uh, uh, the Bernstein Bears go to war and peace for forty five minutes. Like that's not 
it's not an issue. There is no such thing as grooming happening there. That's just a that's just an annoying public spectacle you don't like. But it's not some sort of issue that needs to be turned into a moral crusade. That's fake. That's a fake made up thing by fake made up millennials who have no children, but are trying to assume a parental role in society by shrieking about grooming. Yeah, and you get points with. I mean, you get popular if you uh, toe the line about this stuff. Especially if you're um, a gay, if you're a gay uh, zoomer who's trying to who's being a pick me and we know and you know this this like this impulse is seen even the ones we like like i know either people i like who cannot help themselves every time like when the balenciaga thing happened even though they know that it's 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 really stupid to be too panicky about an advertisement featuring actors holding teddy bears they still can't help but talk about how oh well there shouldn't have been kids in such a or some there's some stupid like they have because to make they're some, one of the good ones they're one of the they good have ones. to be one they of the good ones everyone, they have thank you so much the they're they're not one of the ones spreading monkeypox by sucking right. random debt remember what happened to that remember what remember monkeypox monkey po- whatever happened to monkeypox remember <laughs> yeah remember when all the oomphies and conservatards were wishing monkeypox <laughs> upon us what happened yeah there, there were a um, lot of i have a lot of saved screenshots of people uh thinking that by the end of this year i was going to have monkeypox uh due to my uh very my my uh very publicly announced escapades well if you if you don't uh sh- uh shout your truth about balenciaga then you get monkeypox. That's you get Muslim po- monkeypox. I yeah. like how the uh, Balenciaga was like the the right wing uh, black square. The black oh yeah square. <laughs> yeah. square yeah. Like why is it? You know they're just wait. Whenever a new one happens, like there's like the council of haters that are watching my every movement. And they're waiting for me to. By this point, they know that I won't do it, but they're waiting for me to like post the black square. Yeah. And then, you know, but they know that I'm not going to right, so right. provide more content for them. But yeah, it's uh, every time. The MJ is happens. innocent black square. The MJ is innocent, but everyone else is a pedo black square. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what that, that's mm-hmm. where their minds are at. <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking ass backwards. It's so annoying. Um, it's really it's really and it and it's it, it's all kind of like, yeah, the Balenciaga thing, of course, was the. uh and of course, if those of you, if any normal people are listening to this who somehow didn't pick up the fact that uh, the entire discourse on the internet for about three days was obsessed with the fact that there were ch- there was a Balenciaga ad with children holding teddy bears in a somewhat SNM aesthetic. I don't even know what the fuck it was, honestly. I didn't even... I don't even know what how to describe it to people. Like if you were it to talk, just to tell like a stranger, pictures of ominous rooms, uh, pictures of ominous rooms with little um, internet-y uh, triggers intended yeah. to spark, intended to make it scary um, and spark exactly what it sparked. Yeah. So you know, there uh, was a there was a document from a Supreme Court ruling somewhere. Very, if you zoomed in really tight to the uh, one of the ads. In the in a stack of uh, documents, if you zoomed in really tight, you would catch like half of a title of a Supreme Court ruling having to do with censorship and pornography or something like that. There was one of those things that somebody pointed out to me and they, when they were like it was it was all deliberate. It was clearly like you know like a millennial kind of online millennial who is aware of scary satanic pedo elite uh, conspiracy theory stuff. 
uh, deliberately playing with all of that. And I thought the ads were good. I mean, I had to like, you know, restrain myself from posting that for those two weeks. I was like, don't post it, don't post it. But they are good. Um, and They got I, everyone yeah, talking. They commissioned yeah, they accomplished. Got, they got everyone talking. Um, and also, as everyone knows, no children were harmed. And they look totally fake. It doesn't even look like the kids are in the room. I like, think they were green screened. Like, I honestly think they were green screened. They were probably green screened. They look they pro- totally flat and fake. And um, uh, But yeah, the the ads were uh, good. And it's uh, going to be fun I'm under- to look back on. I wonder if a lo- some of this is being of some of these this backlash is being powered by like the uh, the midget actor lobby so that they can replace little children with just you know little people from now on in ads like there's a yeah. conspiracy going on because it would be the only thing that makes sense since apparently the idea is taking form that child acting is is rape yeah like you're not allowed is that is that kind of the philosophy yeah, yeah. I mean the conservatards have gotten to the point uh, where they think that like. Uh, any like photo of a child at all is like an invasion of privacy. Um, like they like, and I, my theory on this is that um, this fear of children has come along because millennials are such a childless generation, and they all wait until they're like forty to have their one child that they treat like a china doll and are terrified that they're going to do something wrong. Um, and, uh, but all of these people, you know, all through their twenties would go, I never want to have kids. I never want to have kids. And the more educated they were, the more they would say they never wanted to have kids. And then, you know, the women hit the wall. They realize that there's more to life than, um, ordering Uber Eats every day, um, and online shopping and like people, you know, when, when, uh, Western civilization was functional and healthy. People used to just like have kids as a matter of fact and um, not uh, be so like terrified they didn't, of them. And yeah, because they're going to break all the time. It wasn't an extinction event to have kids before. It was part of it was yeah. literally it was literally it meant you were 22. Like and I see and, you know, again, because I ha- it's changing, of course, everywhere. But even but like our my my um, familiarity with Armenia, which is way behind in terms of its uh, social mores still to the degree that it's still quite common. I mean, it's it's getting less and less so, but it's still quite common to be married by the time you're 25. For sure. Mm-hmm. By the time you're 25, often, often earlier, um, sometimes later, but like definitely having kids by the time you're 30. Like that's. It's quite quite common to have kids by the time you're 30, if not by 25, and the and it's not and because everything is so, it's just so taken for granted. I mean, I I just see how it played out in the past when I look at like the 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 situation with the typical kind of Armenian uh, couple and so on. It's just like this natural part of they they still see their friends, they still hang out with their friends like several times a week. Everything is, and the kids have free run of the town because they don't have any concerns about crime. So if you're a kid and you have two legs, you can basically walk anywhere you want. I mean, it's still like that. And it's just like, well, it's not that big of a fucking deal to have kids. Yes, it takes up a new percentage of your time and everything. But like, you also have people take like watching them. You have relatives around. Everyone's kind of like around. It's not a big fucking deal. Um, Here... Having kids means subscribing to 79 different classes and things that you're going to be taking your stupid kid to. It means 
uh, 140 different female hysterias that are now enacted because like moms here are freaked the fuck out 24 seven by the news about everything. And I grew up in that environment. I grew up way too sheltered for my, like way too sheltered by women, my mom and my grandmothers who were freaked the fuck out about the news because they watched and paid attention to the news. And according to the news, there is danger around every corner and there are kidnappers everywhere and there are rapists everywhere. When in 99% of the time, it's within your own family. That's the thing that just like, it drives me crazy yeah. that the def the defining fears are not even act like they're not that you should be afraid of your fucking relatives because 99% of the tiny percentage of uh, molestation cases in, of, of all that it, people that exist happen within the family. I'm not saying like you should be, therefore be afraid of your fucking relatives, but you definitely shouldn't let that fear completely define how you raise your children it doesn't make any fucking sense i can say this as someone without any kids <laughs> so i'm uh, objective <laughs> yeah 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 well nobody defending the kids has any kids either so that's you know, right okay. right um, <laughs> <laughs> well so we're all on the same page here <laughs> we're all like at yeah, this point the I, horseshoe between homos and fucking straight people in millennial land is complete because we're all a bunch of childless fucks who are getting old and we're all coping in dumb ways and i'd rather not cope and i'd rather just like try to see reality for what it is the way mike white does in white lotus seasons one and two mm -hmm. like that's the yeah. thing that's another yeah yeah i mean like the, imagine um, a straight person say, having made the show you know I don't even know if this is a lib. This is an old school kind of hippie take, but the news is all crummy and you don't need to be watching the news. Like, I'm sorry, like boomers get a pass because they're old, but they're, uh, it's, but they're it's dying real. from the news. The they're boomers dying are dying. News. I mean, it's literally like, uh, it was abusing them all through COVID. And I'm talking about fucking Fox news. I'm not talking about just the libs. Okay. Fox is I'm just as bad. Fox News, because Fox Fuck is Fox just News. as bad. And you Tucker know can suck my watching? taint. Tucker sucks. Tucker you know sucks. The result of watching Fox News all day is that it, when you bring Fuck up Fox anything. News. When I bring up anything to people who watch Fox News, it like any travel, cities, anything. It's you're gonna get killed. The yeah. crime. The crime. Chicago. You're, gonna get killed. you're Chicago, going to Chicago. You can't go to Chicago. You're gonna get killed. The crime and like it's the fucking congo this. people have done this annoying thing to me my entire life where when i say new york when, new when, york! yeah when the, when i say that i'm not scared of anything which is true because i think that the solution to uh being scared of anything is just to pretend that you're not um yeah. and then it becomes real it's just a decision um they always go well you're big you don't have to be scared okay. um I'm like, no, actually, they're like old white ladies running around downtown Chicago at 11 p.m. Um, but that's what the news does. It just, it just, uh, conservatards think that there's like just rubble and flames and fire and chaos around every corner, and they never go outside. It's absolutely true. The libtard parodies of Fox News conservatards. Um, the hundred, it's a hundred percent true. It, it's, you know, it's what happened totally is totally true. Yeah. It's, it's, and this is why I was, you know, I was, I think I was telling you this. Um, I don't know if I was saying this on, on the air or not, but, um, uh, you know, one, 
profound reason why I had become, I had detached myself so much from political discourse, discourse during the Trump campaign in 2015. Um, and I did not like, I was, you know, I had a very kind of, you know, normie assumption about Trump is, oh, this was must be, this must be another like Fox News clown show. That's how I, because I just wasn't paying attention because my mom and my grandmother were so fucking dialed into Fox News and so constantly hysterical all the time that I just wanted it to end. Like I didn't have, to me, from a normie perspective, from a perspective of I don't, I'm, I'm making movies, I'm, I'm doing art, I don't, I'm no longer involved in fucking politics, conservative or not. Uh, for me, it was just a lot of fucking misery. I didn't realize that how funny Trump was being and how entertaining. And, you know, I'm glad that they got four years of Edley. There, there was a four-year interruption where because of Trump being so talented and artistic and funny, because of him being so charming and so humane, the Fox News addicts, were rewarded with an actual fun entertainment that made them feel good. You take Trump out of the equation. Also, that made Tucker a actual valuable person. Because Tucker Carlson, I've been watching Tucker since fucking his CNN Fireline days, uh, whatever it was called, Crossfire, where he was just an annoying college Republican in a bow tie. I heard he's, I've, I've always heard he's a nice guy from people who are friends with him. But he was like, he was just an annoying squeaky, like, yeah. And and for a few years there, he became the voice, like a voice of non-TDS conservative, you know, reason and was a very valuable American person, obviously. I, I mean, during that, during the Trump era. Now it's back to the old, now it's just the old story where it's going to be drag queens and whatever and caravans and whatever fucking hysterical news thing, which is the most, probably the most dangerous drug that has ruined more lives, in my opinion, than any drug Anything in history in, in, in America in the last 50 years, going back to Watergate, probably, when also you have to look at all these things that are news induced, the fucking food pyramid, which made boomers absolute retards about food, completely ass, they you, ass backwards. They, think they don't you know die anything. If you go two hours without eating, they like think eggs will bread. kill you. They think eggs yeah, will kill you. They, they think, think butter kills you and salt kills you. There's so and there's no there's no curing them out of this. There's like they're so far gone in this. Their brains have been ruined. They eat nothing but sugar all the time and they they spend 70% of their lives in the fucking hospital where they will get meds that are advertised to them on Fox News. Because all the only yeah. fucking sponsors of the news are pharmaceutical companies. So they're hooked onto this machine of news induced uh, paranoia, falsehood, and bullshit, and it's extremely debilitating to their minds and to their relationships with their kids, um, to their just general, I think, health. There's a little bit of degree, obviously, of being, you know, having something to wake up and be angry about kind of keeps you going a little bit, so I'm not going to, it's not all bad. Everyone needs a little something, a little some some, but it is fucking, I mean, their minds are just completely fried. And now that Trump is out of the equipment, Trump, this golden figure who came in and tried to make America a better place, is now off the off the stage for, you know, as far as we know for now. Um, and it's back to the same old bullshit. But the addictions remain. The addiction to Fox News remains. That's why I was out of I was so out of touch in 2015. Um, and I had to catch up after he won. I was like, oh, shit, what just happened here? Um, and I quickly caught up uh, thanks to the help of people who are very rationally uh, analyzing him for someone like me. Um, it's really not a great way to live to 
think that you can't go anywhere or do anything because of the looming specter of potential crime that's likely not going to happen to you. There's no difference. Um, There's no difference between this and thinking that police brutality is the number one problem in America. Because if you look at clips of, you know, doctored clips of, uh, or out of context clips of police be beating up seemingly unarmed people, if you just look at that all day, you're going to think that the number one problem in America is police brutality and that George Floyd is the number one martyr who's ever lived in American history. If you watch libs of TikTok, you will become, guess what? Spoiler alert, a lib of TikTok. The only difference is that your focus is not police brutality. It's a drag queen or whatever, like whatever it is you're spending 100% of your time consuming. Yeah, I mean, do you think that their obsessive fears about indoctrination and and gender stuff in public schools are exaggerated? Because I do. I'm sure they're exaggerated. I I I think that everything is exaggerated. A a diet of curated videos of gender libs being crazy online for attention. Yeah, uh, I mean, to think that every single person is like, and I also think that if you, you went to public school, right? Uh, nothing but public school my entire life from okay, day one to why, day last. That's why we're normal. I think that if you don't go to public school, you end up a huge faggot. And yeah, I, I think, think so that too. You end up a huge faggot if you're homeschooled. And I think that we're going to have a whole generation from this anti-vax conservatard um homeschool trad calf craze which is just going to get bigger and bigger um and yeah because it's the only alternative associated with right-wing politics at all uh there's going to be a strain of super trans super trans super autism which will affect their homeschooled trad calf children who have not been allowed to see the world at all for fear of uh gender indoctrination um, and those kids are going to be really annoying. Because remember, uh, if you knew any homeschool kids, how fucking weird and annoying they were? I remember. I hated them all. Everyone yeah. did. That's why there are so many jokes about homeschool kids on uh, TV back in the day. Because they were fucking weird. Because they're not properly socialized. I mean, um, so... they just, they're not, they're not equipped to deal with a world that doesn't, uh, well, that doesn't cater of... to their every whim. They're the not point prepared. of school, I'm sorry, is to uh, like train you how to work a job, uh, like oh. be somewhere at a certain time and complete a task. I'm sorry. It's not all about like, but what if they teach them the wrong thing about the Holocaust? And what, you yeah. know, like, I mean, is your, how dumb does your stupid kid have to be to take every single thing that teachers say seriously. Like, that's the weird thing that, like, like the conservatards always pretend like everybody takes everything that every teacher says to them as, you know, total religious dogmatic truth. And I never did that. And no one did. Everybody thought, just like evaluated each teacher individually like and some of them were like full of shit and you're really really doomed as a critical thinker if you can't make your way through the public school system 
uh, without uh, being able to sort through the ideas of your 30-year-old teachers. There is this weird uh, admission or confession um, by parents who are overly panicked about, first of all, first of all, before we even get to that, the most lip-tarded schools are, are the tiny private schools by far. Mm -hmm. They're not public schools. They're the tiny little, I know someone who goes to them in LA. I mean, I know I have relatives who go to them to the, to the small, the small, tiny little private school where they will, they're like 50 kids and they're like, they're, you know, they're base. it's basically a version of homeschool, basically with all the, the most, every little feeling and sentiment catered to like it's yeah. God. I mean, it's that, like the, the school that Bart Simpson went to when he faked his test results in right. you know, that episode in like right. 1991, where it's like, discover your chairs. Yeah, you know, and it's like that in, in gifted in, and talented in public school. Nobody gives a fuck. I mean, there's nobody has time. There's forty kids in a classroom. You're on your fucking own. You're not being. You're not being. Uh, you know. You're not under the overwhelming charismatic spell of your fucking science teacher, who's like, unless he's really hot. I don't know what are you. What are you gonna do? Yeah. But but in which case, you know, go, you know, even uh, like hire male teachers anymore. Probably I not. Imagine well, I mean, they're probably all non. They're probably yeah. They're probably all like 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 non-binary. Uh, yeah, like, you probably in or if you're a male teacher to get hired, you probably have to pretend to be something else. Yeah, and 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 you know. It's not like these non-binaries and shit have a libido to be concerned about. It's not like any of these people, no. blue hairs, are actually sexually desirous of anything, let alone your your snotty little kids. I mean, it's not – it's a kind of a side problem. Um, I believe – like, I mean, obviously, I would be no one today if I wasn't for the fact that I went to public school and that I rebelled against liberal orthodoxy in my fucking – school and and that was way milder than what it probably is today but it still was there and the contrast between you know boring school textbooks which i thought were boring because i'm normal and i think school is boring and i think textbooks are dumb versus and the and you know teachers being kind of you know sanctimonious are is lame that's kind of like that's the that's how kids are supposed to think they're supposed yeah. to think that teachers are lame. I mean, yeah, there's going to be a cool teacher that you like and so on. But overall, you're judging teachers based on how cool they are, not just the fact that they're teachers and they have authority. Um, I, I the, con, the, the, the tension between school being like that and, you know, talk radio being this uh this wild west of 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 anarchic thought and my parent and my, you know my parents being my one side was republican one side was democrat and you know them are bickering over all of this shit like and and the books and stuff that i found and you know cultural stuff the tension between all these things is what inspired me to you know want to take the stage and grab a microphone grab a grab a, a pen as they say um and i just wonder like I cannot even begin to imagine what a pussy I'd be if I were homeschooled instead. If I didn't, first of all, de deprived of athletic competition, which also was a huge influence, as I've said, uh, all the things that like all of the things that matter to me were battles that school provided the stage for. 
like the big ass pu- public school that seemed like a world unto itself, where winning the respect of Mexicans and blacks because it was very diverse, while winning the respect of um, my teachers, like you know, trying to mog my teachers intellectually. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm making myself sound like an annoying, probably one of these annoying pick me uh, a know it alls in school, but I wasn't that. No, I was just I mean, like I was a brilliant free spirit. Po- I was a brilliant artistic, popular free spirit in high school, and everyone loved me. And that's you yeah. know, that's Same. I also was. That's same. I wasn't, you know, I, it was, that's just the fact. I mean, I was also the, it was also this, like, you know, I, you're, you're supposed to not obsess over your high school days, right? Your day teacher, you don't want to be like Al Bundy. Who, I love high school. I, I fucking I loved high school. Because I didn't do like, you know, like I have two brain cells, so I didn't. I did enough to like pass my classes, which is, you know, virtually nothing. Imagine being so dumb that you can't get through public school. Um, it happens you know, to some. I mean, all know, all know exactly, uh, you know, who, whose test scores have to be faked and rigged and everything. Um, but uh, yeah, I had a great time because I just, it's basically just like, you have to go uh, hang out with your friends all day and I spent <laughs> all my time doing my own reading and um doing theater stuff and making my own art and basically educating myself it's also really funny to me you know how the conservatards are always freaking out about the like assigned reading in schools or like what's in the library as if school libraries exist in the like you know there will be like the conservatard threads about like there's anal sex instruction in the school library this book as if yeah. libraries are a yeah. thing with books <laughs> kids are stealing kids are what sneaking into the library <laughs> kids are sneaking into the assigned library reading <laughs> fucking mattered i never did the assigned reading i read half of about i should have i wish i had ap- applied myself quote unquote more but no right. i thought i was too good for everything um so d- i just did enough of the assigned reading to pass um, i am a yeah, i'm a met- i'm a literary person i was into b- writing starting around Nine tenth grade when I read either the book that did it was Agatha Christie by the way but then I got into politics like I really I would read in school I never read assigned reading I hated anything that was assigned I I I literally had to go back and reread all of the good novels that were assigned in high school because I just yeah, didn't have time too. for them in high school I After had to reread I Ma- Camille Polly I realized that I should have read all the classics. <laughs> but I was too good for it at the time yeah you're I was too good for it too I was like I'm fucking reading this Great Gatsby. But they, but the conservatards are like they think that there's just you know there's a straight pipeline of like the the libs of TikTok gender teachers to pick the assigned reading which then indoctrinates the students because they all do the assigned reading and let's okay you know I've been out of high school what sixteen years assigned reading was already a joke then. Can you imagine what goes on in a public school now? I mean, they just sit there getting babysat. Like, yeah, who, there's no way they're reading anything. There's no they, way they can't give, reading. They anything. can't give like test scores because that's racist. Like nobody they can can't, get grades. How nobody, can they grade essays? Grades. There's no hierarchy of quality. Yeah, they just have to sit there and you know just kind of like let their test scores get rigged. And but no, the how, how do they grade are essays? Like, right? Are always like essays? you know in the school that this book the. Heather has two mommies yeah. with its anal sex instruction in the back. That is being assigned to your child. 
We all know that two mommies are are two mom. If there's anyone who's having tons of anal sex, it's two mommy, <laughs> two mommy households. That's where the it's off the charts. What there. Year are these people living in? No, they're not. Here's the thing, and this is this is like part of the larger conversation that uh, the larger kind of theme I think of 2022, uh, which is that there is a and this is something you could have we could have all seen coming and we did i did you did we did we were right we did not, not a lot of people that. did yeah we saw we saw that no. well we saw this iteration as usual of, it'll take them a year to start repeating what we say but. yeah in 2025 they're going to realize that this was all a big fucking uh, uh sideshow spectacle to keep people distracted because it's profitable for certain outlets to feed them bullshit um, the thing that I see that I, 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 my heart trembles for those who are hanging in the balance right now, they're hanging in the balance and there's like, there's, there's a, the road is diverging. And that wraps up the free version. We go on for another two increasingly wild hours uh, about the entire state of the culture and the last year and the coming year and the challenges the spiritual challenges that face us all. And of course, my White Lotus near finale in New York on December 1, which I get to at the very end. So for the final two hours of this special edition, Filthy Armenian Adventure, please subscribe at patreon.com slash filthy Armenian. There's also over 30 other premium episodes only for subscribers. I am very grateful to you all for listening in the first year of this enterprise, and I hope to see you on the other side of the paywall.